0: great wow what a song It started as a whisper but she got the message loud and clear there was a film clip we thought about running and it takes about 10 seconds so we didn't i thought i'd just tell you about it about a family coming out of their house and their neighbors next door kinda, kind of kind um, of like a pruning the pruning the shrubs on a sunday morning and and as the family's coming out the guy pruning his shrubs says where are you going and they said oh we're going to church And the neighbor said, oh, what are you going to do? Go learn how to be more judgmental? Um, And, uh, of course, in a sense it's kind of funny, in a sense it's not very funny, because unfortunately that's, number one, what some people think, number two, the way some people act. Sometimes that accusation is real. One of the things, and we're in this series, ten things that make the church cringe, or tackling these tough issues that we'd rather avoid. One of those things is, do I have to be judgmental to be a, A follower of Jesus or a a Christian or to be righteous do I have to be judgmental to be that way Um, obviously I think you know the answer to that but uh, it's a rhetorical question one that I want you to think about I'm going to just get you thinking along these lines with me and I'm going to take you to a a passage in the New Testament that I really deals with this head on but first some thoughts from some of the great thinkers of the world the first one The first one I think you'll recognize as a great thinker of the world. I don't like to sit around and judge others as I don't like to be judged myself. I mean, I'm being a tad sarcastic there, but at the same time, uh, Britney Spears said that. Um, Who can blame her? And I'm sure she's one of those people who probably gets judged for a lot of things. We're not going to talk about whether or not she should be or shouldn't be or the the merit of her music or, or attire or lack of or whatever. Just a thought. Just a thought. Um, Oscar Wilde had a great thought. Watch this. This is so good. It is only shallow people who do not judge by appearances. <laughs> Just think about that. We judge by appearance. Come on. I think that's part of his point. We all do. And we know that. These only shallow people don't judge by appearances. Appearance say something. Just a little thought there. Uh, William Shakespeare... Give every man thine ear, but few thy voice. Take each man's censure, but reserve thy judgment. Now we're getting a little more meaty stuff, aren't we? Some um, interesting quote, And of course, I love this very, very simple thought from Mother Teresa. If you judge people, you have no time to love them just think about it if you judge people you have no time to love them and isn't that really what we do often when we judge people we're not loving them we're not showing mercy we're not showing grace we're trying to make ourselves look better we're trying to make them look bad we're probably trying to do a few other things in there i won't analyze all of that but it's a it's a great thought and before i show you this next thought um it when i i you see me quote this guy a lot and uh He's probably, I call him one of my favorite old guys. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. Um, and this is a heavy thought. It's not Bible, but it should, could be. I think it's reflective of Bible teaching. Um, so let's, let's look at my favorite old, one of my favorite old guys here, Plato. Uh, you are young, my son. And as the years go by, time will change and even reverse many of your present opinions. Yeah. Refrain, therefore, a while from setting yourself up as a judge of the highest matters just reflect on that a minute you are young my son and as the years go by time will change and even reverse many of your present opinions refrain therefore, a while from setting yourself up as a judge of the highest matters i wish i'd read that about 25 30 years ago because you know one of the one of the great things and one of the terrible things about family and kids is they remember what you said 20 or 30 or more years ago. And sometimes they don't mind reminding you. Gee, Dad, remember when you said this? Or your wife or your husband. Remember when you said this? That's why this is really some good wisdom here. And I can tell you one of the, one of the reasons that, and you hear me say this jokingly for the most part, uh, when I'm always, I'm always saying oh if you're not 30 you don't know nothing mostly that's a self-condemning remark because i'm thinking of the, some of the things that i said and some of the opinions that i had formed not just before i was 34 i was 40 before i was 45 before i was 51 um um so many times and i look back on some of those things particularly in my 20s and 30s especially some of the opinions that i formed and some of the things that i said and some of the people that i treated in certain ways Because I was making a judgment. I want to go back and undo that sometimes. I just want to go back and undo that. And that's why I often say that. So those of you who are under 30, when you hear me make remarks about, oh, if you're not 30, you don't. I'm talking about me at that point, okay? And I'm joking about you because some of you got that down a lot better than I did. So I understand that. But I just love that thought from Plato. Well, understanding that and to better understand and to better expose and better remedy this deadly poison which is what it is that we call judgmentalism um, i want to look at a story that jesus told and the neat thing about this parable and this story that jesus told is that it's a very popular story I, I doubt that there's anybody here who hasn't heard the term in one form or another in their life about the story of the prodigal or the prodigal son or, or something like that. I mean, it's become a part of our Western vernacular. The, the prodigal son and the story of the prodigal son. One of the really cool things about this story is many of us, me included, for much of my life misinterpreted because I didn't apply it to myself. I applied it to a whole bunch of other people. You'll see what I mean. Hang on to that thought. Let me just take you there, get you to think along these lines with me. And uh, we're, before I do that, I want to. This is the Rembrandt painting of, uh, which is in the Hermitage in Saint Petersburg, Russia. Of uh, I don't know if it's my favorite Rembrandt, but it's one of them because it's such a great illustration of the Prodigal Son. And you see the father welcoming him home. You look at you look at his you look at the the young man on his knees, and you see his shoes are not there, or tattered. But the thing I love about this picture is this guy over here. Because in Rembrandt's depiction, this guy over here, that's the older brother. Look at the body language. You little dweeb. Where have you been? You've been out spitting Dad's money. I mean, you know, he's standing off a little bit. He's got his hands folded. He's got this, yeah, you can almost see the contempt in his, I just love that. You can just see the contempt in his body language. And I, I just, there's a great book out called The Return of the Prodigal. It's an old book. It's by Henry Nowen, who's now with the Lord. And, and he, talks about, he talks about going and just studying this picture for hours in St. Petersburg, and, um, which is where it is, as I mentioned. But, um, and you can just study that picture and just think about that. And I just, I just love that. That's the the return of the prodigal. I'm going to talk about that guy up there uh, on the right or on the left, as it is, uh, the the older brother. We'll talk a little bit about him in a second. I want to go through the narrative, remind some of you, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, and uh, just go through that. And Let's just jump into, into Luke chapter 15. And in the first part of the chapter, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law the religious people complain that he was associating with such despicable people even eating with them how could you do this um so jesus used this illustration now he goes through two illustrations the first illustration that he goes through is a is a illustration about sheep a hundred sheep or we call it the 99 in one there's a shepherd with a hundred sheep he loses one of them and the shepherd goes out after looking for that one sheep that's the illustration that he uses to get that one lost sheep. And then he tells another story about the lady who has ten precious coins. And she loses one precious coin and she goes throughout the whole house trying to find that one precious coin. And then he tells a story that we're going to look at. The next verse, that's why we're skipping some verses here, of this, of this what we call this, this prodigal. And I want to jump right into that and get you thinking along these lines with me. In verse 11, to illustrate the point further, after those other two illustrations, Jesus told them, the, told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want you to share, I want a share of your estate now, now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became, I want you to watch this very carefully. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. He's getting hungry. Just file that away in the back of your mind. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, "At home, even the hired men have enough to spare, have, enough, have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned both against heaven or against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man." So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Give a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we've been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead, and he's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Let the party begin, baby. Okay? Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told. Your your father's killed the calf that we were fattening and has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Watch the response here. The older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, "Okay, here you go." Little little interpolation here, okay? A little uh, little rich interpretation of what I, I, I'm serious about this. I really believe this is what he this is how he said it. I really believe this with my heart. Follow along with me. All these years, I've worked hard for you. I never once refused to do a single thing for you and all the time you never gave me one yard you know, for a feast for my friends. Just this big whine. I mean, it's a big whine. That's all he's doing, you know? Yet when the son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. And his father, unlike this father, who would have said, you little dribbly idiot, get with it, you know? What does his father do? He's a man, he, this is this is representative, typifying God the Father, I believe. My dear son, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. You had to celebrate this happy day. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Long story there, but I wanted to go through the whole thing for you because I want to show you I want to show you three basic contrasts to this whole thing on judgmentalism and, and what I call exposing the judgmentalism, or exposing the judgmental, judicious or judgmental. Um, and I want to show you three contrasts the, between the father and, and God's, the father's love and, and, the, and the older brother, the, the religious person he was. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Um, three things i want to just get you to kind of think along with me and we'll kind of revisit a couple of those verses very briefly but the first one is this there is joy versus jealousy there is joy versus jealousy here's the joy he says he's filled with love and compassion he ran to his son he embraced him and he kissed him you know i mean he's just he's just so he's so fired up about this let me show you this um father said to his servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and so forth now let's look quickly at the contrast because here's the older son in the field's working and you know we've always said your brother's back he was told verse 28 the older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in and then of course he goes in all these years i've worked hard for you he's jealous he's jealous it's very clear he's jealous let me just make a statement here and get you to think with me a moment Sometimes, we're judgmental of others, simply because what's happening to me, um, what's, happening, what's happening to them is much less deserving of what I think should be happening to me. Let me say it a different way. I didn't say it quite the way I wanted you to, to hear that. Um, we, we get a little judgmental, many times, a lot judgmental because this person's having something happen to them, and they don't deserve that good stuff that's happening. But we do. And we think, they're bad, I'm good, I should have this. That's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened here. Um, two or three things I just want you to think about when you we, when we think about that issue. Number one, there's just a certain, a, little, a certain amount of self-righteousness here. Look at me. Look what I've done. I mean, you can see that in his words. He says, you know, all these years I've worked hard for you. You can see that. There's a little bit of self-righteousness. There's, there's an emphasis upon the externals. There's, um, there's, just, there's, a, there's a desire for recognition. How come, you haven't, how come you haven't told me how great I am? You know, this little, this little peon goes out and does whatever he wants to do, and you recognize, and you don't do anything for me. What's the deal, man? That's the attitude of the older brother. Jealousy as opposed to just sheer joy that one has come back. Okay, the prodigal has come back. So that's the first thing I want you to think about. Just kind of think on that. By the way, I'll I, I mention this again, and I'm just going to kind of set the seed right now. The older brother, in my view of life, and I've spent a lot of time, as you know, in the church. Um, the older brother typifies what I have seen for a lot of years in what we call the church. Oh, uh, come on now let's don't do just don't go too crazy just this, sort of the self-righteous judgmental type of attitude and yet we we do that thinking well you know that person are we sure about him are, are we sure this is right are we sure that he's sincere and a bunch of other stuff just hang on to that thought of, well, we're going to come back to it let me show you the second little contrast that i see here not only joy versus jealousy but compassion versus condemnation sometimes we're judgmental because we can't quit looking at how bad this person was. That's what's happening with the big brother here. He, keeps wanting, he wants to emphasize the bad things his little brother did. And, uh, and you can see that because in verse 20, and I'll show you this real, real briefly. Filled with love and compassion, the father runs to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Contrast that with this. When this when son, this is the older brother talking. When the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf that we have. So the, the point is here, here's one who's, who's giving compassion because of where he's coming from, and here's the older brother who's saying in this judgmental tone of voice, Hey, what are you doing, man? You know, he deserves, he deserves death. He deserves nothing. He's a little, he's a little nothing. This whole attitude of condemnation upon condemnation upon condemnation, a song that you heard um, Cher and the guys do for you earlier, you know, it started with a whisper. That's just so typical, sometimes, of what happens in quote-unquote religious circles. Someone comes in, in this particular case, in this song, it's apparently a young lady who has gotten pregnant out of wedlock, apparently, according to the way I understand the song, And, and there's this judgmental attitude that surrounds around that whole thing, and and I appreciate this song so much because I think it's, it's such a, it speaks to the heart in so many different ways. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. Now, I'm not excusing anything. I'm not saying, well, that's okay or that's okay. I'm not talking about that. Now, and that's not really what Jesus is trying to illustrate with this particular parable. He's trying to illustrate a father's love, more specifically, God the Father's love. So there's compassion as opposed to condemnation. We saw it with Jesus with the woman that was caught in adultery jesus never thought that was okay but what does he do he says he expressed love and grace to her fought off all the stinking religious people they said now go and sin no more in a loving gracious just wonderful way let me show you a third contrast that i want you to see very quickly party animal versus pinhead okay by the way just in case you're wondering i get i get um I get a little grief sometimes for coming up with these words. That's Steve's word. I just want you to know that, all right? It's a good word. It's a good character. Well, you kind of came up with it, sort of. Give you credit where credit is due. Um, This guy's a pinhead. I mean, he's just like, he's not getting the big big picture here. Because here's what happens, and I want to show you the verses. Sometimes we're judgmental because we think we have to, to make a stand against sin, and against sinful people. And in so doing, um, we lose the joy of seeing someone really seek after a relationship with God. Sometimes we think, oh, I've got I to take a stand here. I can't accept. This is wrong. This is terrible. I've got to take a stand. i take a stand against this. I've got to take a stand against them. Uh, that's part of the older brother syndrome here. Let me show you real quick verse 22 again. Um, really down to verse 24. This son of mine was dead and was now returned to life. He was lost and now he is found. So the party began. The father says, "Let's just have a party. Let's just celebrate. He's come back." And, and you know what? It's interesting to me how the father didn't respond. He didn't say, "Well, are you sincere? How do I know you're sincere?" Well, um, I'll tell you what else: You've done this, and now you're going to pay for your sin. Now you have to suffer the consequences of your sin. Now you do sit there and you just, you know, we're not, we're not going to accept you, you got to suffer, we're going to keep you out, we're gonna, you got to say, you know, he didn't respond that way, he, he didn't go through all those things, or, nor, nor did he say, you know, shame, 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 you know, uh, or, or the whole thing, now obviously we don't make people wear scarlet letters anymore as they did in the Puritan era when a, person, when a person was caught, a woman, not always interesting, it was just a woman who was caught in adultery, only women commit adultery, men don't, you understand. Um, at least in those days, and, and it's interesting to me that, that, you know, it was always the women that had to wear those, not the men. We don't do that anymore. We're far more sophisticated, but many times still in, in those circles that are so-called religious or sometimes Christian or whatever you want to call them, we have that stigma sometimes that sticks with people like that. Sometimes the only way they can break that stigma is just to get out of some of those pathetic, pitiful little places. Um, and yet that's the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches in this parable the exact opposite he says let's party they're back they're back now does that mean all their problems are over with no does that mean they're not going to have to have certain things they have to deal with no that's not the issue though that's not the point of the parable the parable is the unconditional love of god the father that's the parable so party animal now let's look at the pinhead real quick because i want you to see this. Meanwhile, the older son, you know that, fields working, so forth and so forth. Verse 28, the older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. He didn't want to be a part of this whole thing. A couple of things I want to I give you some carry-out food here in just a moment, but before I do, a couple things I want you to think about uh, on this whole thing. And one is, we talk about, you know, are you sincere and all the other things. What was the motive? Just think for a moment. We're not going to turn back in, in, in this life. What was the motive of the son to come back Do you remember that passage i i i pointed out to you at the time remember what he was he was hungry he was, he was hungry you know what he says he says he says at home even the hired men have food enough to spare and here i am dying of hunger i will go home to my father and say father have.'" Hi. his motive wasn't even pure that blows me away he was freaking hungry he's like i, I, I got gotta do something I'm going to go back and see dad and say, dad, here I am. And you know what? His dad didn't care. He said, hey, welcome home. I love you. Is that a picture of God? Welcome home. Not you dribbling little sinner, but my dear son, the best for you. I love that. So so that's, that's that's the issue. That's the picture of Christ. Here's the second thing I want to show you before we get into our wrap-up and, uh, and, and and this is just we are so i gotta clean it up here. we are so darn judgmental as believers it, it, here i'll just use me i won't condemn you i'll just use me okay here i'm a guy that's been raising the church been known had a relationship with god since i was about eight years old and and raising the church since i was two weeks old um and it would have been there before that if my mom could have made it. Um, it wasn't until, so what am I now? 50-something. And uh, I lose track. And, and it wasn't until less than five years ago that I realized this. And I think this is true for many of us. Because I always read the prodigal son. I always read these things. And I think, oh yeah, there's, I know so-and-so. He's a prodigal. And I know so-and-so. He's a prodigal. You ready for this? I'm the prodigal you're the prodigal. the whole purpose of this story is not about somebody else about me and how god how christ comes and welcomes men because we're all in our own ways okay maybe we didn't lie down with the pigs and eat maybe we didn't chase prostitutes maybe we didn't do drugs maybe we didn't lie steal and cheat and run around with women that do or whatever that whole thing is maybe we didn't do all those things or men that do to be equally opportunity here um maybe we didn't do all those things But all of us in our own ways, by God's standard, are prodigals and have been prodigals. And the whole point of the story is God's love is unconditional and he welcomes us back. Not you driveling little sinner, but my wonderful, precious child. Come in here. This isn't about child raising. This isn't about all. This is about God, the Father, and his unconditional love for his kids for his children, for me and you. And I love this. And when I understand that, that's why I went to this particular narrative in the Bible. When I understand that, I become much less judgmental of the unquote unquote prodigals that I know of and the people that I think are undeserving or whatever because then I have to come back to it and say, wait a minute. How about you, big boy? Let I I me mean, Let me do some... Let me do some carry out food here for you real quick just wrap this whole thing up together for you all right take out food for thought not burgers but we'll do something better than that first thing it's never too late you're never too bad to come and i will add this to come back to god we're going to talk more about that next week in in our our easter sunday service and i've got a phenomenal well-known illustration from you and Steve's going to have um, Steve and the band and, and, the, and the singers are going to do the greatest American hymn ever. Just a little tease there for you, okay? Greatest American hymn ever. Recognized as a great American hymn. You, and, and it talks about this. You're, it's never too late. You're never too bad to come back to God. Never. You don't have to clean yourself You say, okay, I'm going to get my life cleaned up. Then I'm going to go to church and, and then I'm going to come to God no wrong order that's not going to happen you come to christ wherever you are you say well i've already done that and i have really messed it up yeah well welcome to the world of prodigal welcome to the world of lost them because we all have either been there or are there second little food for thought here for you to take out and that is this lighten up on the judgment and the condemnation of the prodigals i've already hit that pretty hard i think I think you understand the point. Lighten up a little bit. We don't have to judge others. God himself won't judge until his judgment seat. He doesn't need me to do it before that. Learn to accept people for where they are, who they are, love them. You know, Mother Teresa said it earlier in that great quote. It's pretty hard to love people if you're judging them. And that's so true. That doesn't mean that you don't have standards. That doesn't mean there aren't certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. That I'm not saying obliterate that. I'm not saying that's all existential and, and, and or whatever it happens to be. I'm not saying that at all because it is true. But you know what? When people are wrong, they don't need you or me to come up and just beat them up. They know they're wrong, particularly if they're seeking to have a relationship with God because God has his way of working in people's hearts to be able in their lives and in their consciences for them to see that. And What they might need is somebody to pray with them, put their arm around them and say, hey, love you, I'll help you. What can I do to help you? Which really takes me to my my third thing, which is this, look for ways. Look for ways to build, encourage, and heal the wounded instead of judging them. Just look for ways. I, I promise you, I promise you, I I, I can promise you this because I know life and I know people, that this week, maybe today, there will be people who will come into your life who are right there, who need somebody to build them up, encourage them, to help heal them, and just come alongside of them. God will put people in your life like that. Trust me on that. Just be sensitive to it. Be aware of it. Make that your prayer. God, help me me to to build, encourage, and heal the wounded. And not to judge him. God can do that. And he will. Now, fourth thing. Never ever forget. You're. You are the prodigal son. And that ought to make you and me some of the most grateful people on the face of the earth. Not because I have been found and this little worm has not. But because I've been found. Period. Period god has loved me and i've come to realize his love for me and maybe i had to go through a lot maybe i had to go through this way or that way or some other way but god loves me and i understand that love more than anything never ever forget that makes you you know one of the reasons i believe that every new testament epistle in the new testament um um letter uh, and and many and almost every book in the new testament almost every book there is some degree of something about be thankful be thankful be thankful I think it's because when we realize our, our condition and what, what God and what Christ has done for me it makes me one very grateful individual. One of the people that I talked with, and actually last week we had a great discussion. We, some who hadn't yet seen The Passion, uh, we went to see it. Some of us went again. Some of us went for the first time. Several people then showed up at our office. We, talked. we had like 20, 25 people show up at the office afterwards uh, to just talk about The Passion in the movie, The Passion of, of, of the Christ. Uh, the very well-known, now somewhat controversial movie that's, that's being shown. And, and I remember somebody saying either, I don't remember whether it was in the discussion or saying to me privately, how after watching that they were just so thankful realizing what Jesus went through for me, for me. Uh, that's really good. It's not about everybody else, it's about me and what Christ did for me in that, in that context never ever forget that last thing real quick take with you a little carry out food the emphasis in life should always be on the unfailing unconditional love of our heavenly father the purpose of this parable is for you to see number one you're the prodigal i'm the prodigal and number two we have a heavenly father who says i love you welcome back i missed you let's have a party that's the emphasis That's the message of the gospel. That's why they call it good news, which is what gospel means in English, the good news. God loves you in spite of yourself, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your flawed personhood that all of us have. And he sent his son Jesus to show us that. Let's pray together. Lord, what a powerful story you have given us in this story of the lost son, we call the prodigal son. And Lord, as each one of us realize that's me. That's me. Maybe I didn't go as far as he did. Maybe I went further. Maybe it took me longer. Maybe it didn't take me as much time. I don't know. Every one of us are different. Every one of our every one of our journeys are different. Well, Lord, I pray that we would be especially just tuned in to the spirit inside of us, believe that would be the spirit of God who would be working in our lives and in our hearts to help us see. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your love and for your grace and for what you have done and what you're doing in our lives, each one of us. For some of us, Lord, and you know each heart here, for some of us that may be right now where we begin by saying, Lord, right here, right now, I want to begin my relationship with you i want to i want to trust you i want to trust the fact and the truth that jesus came and and did go to that that cross crucified dead and buried and rose again for me because i'm lost i'm a prodigal and i want to accept him i want to put my trust in him right here right now right where i'm sitting by just something as simple as praying lord I want to trust you. I believe you came and, and died. Rose again for me. Lord, for some of us who have had the privilege and the honor of, of having a relationship with you longer, longer than that, maybe for a, a year or, or, or a few years, I pray, Lord, that we would be just the most grateful people on the face of the earth and that we would be shining agents and examples of the love that you showed here in this story, to this prodigal, this lost lost wayward young man, that we would be agents of grace and light in our lives and with people that we know as much as you were as much as you give us the example of here. Lord, we thank you for that and we thank you for the love and the grace that we have in Jesus, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for being here with us um i'm gonna we're gonna just be dismissed um uh we got plenty of for those of you who are visiting with us or those, even we don't have too many visitors this morning because uh because of the time change and everything. we got a couple of them though but we got if you all stick around we got some uh, stuff back here enjoy that give us a chance to meet you uh for others of you take a chance find somebody you haven't talked to in a while or somebody whose name you forgot and get reacquainted and do that and take a couple of minutes to do that all right thanks for coming let's be dismissed thank you lord for our time and we commit it to you in jesus name amen